Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Let's Talk Tribe Prospect Chat, episode number two. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and joining me as always is Let's Talk Tribe, Let's Go Tribe, lead prospect writer Brian Heminger. Brian, thanks for joining me. Let's talk some prospects. Oh, I cannot wait. I'm ready. <laughs> I know you're always excited to talk anything kind of prospects, and we're kind of finally getting to a point where there's something interesting. There's some cuts going on, some some players are getting moved around, more pro- top lists are coming out, so it's a good time to be a prospect fan, I think. Oh, it's a really good time, and, and and a lot of prospects are getting uh, opportunities that they wouldn't be getting during the regular season, too, so yeah, we're getting to see how they perform at the higher levels. Yep, so let's start with one of the ones that people are probably going to be wondering most about, um, catcher Francisco Mejia, of course, he came onto the scene last year, he's the number one prospect, according to a lot of places, um, he recently mm-hmm. got option to double A, what does that mean for him or the Indians or his timetable, um, just what is that whole, how do you do in spring? Everything about Francisco Mejia. Okay, well, heading into last show, he was 2 for 10 in spring training. And he decided, I think he was listening to the podcast and he heard my disappointment. And he decided (laughs) to just mash the ball uh, this past week. So he did get option to double A. But before he got option, in the past week, he went 6 for 9 with a double, two home runs. One of which was a grand slam that won the game a walk and only two strikeouts. So, I mean, this kid just tore the cover off the ball. By far, he had the best week of any Indians prospect. Um, just mashed. And, I mean, this kid is so talented. Uh, he made a, a highlight as well on a play where I think there was a a guy swung at a ball in the dirt and Mejia lost the ball uh, and then picked it up at the very last second and gunned the guy down at first base when it didn't look like he had a chance in a million years of getting him. I mean, he's just showing off all of his tools right now. So, yeah, I mean, he is going to be an absolute monster, and he's already showing that he can hit at this level. So I'm not shocked at all that they – I mean, it, it's not a surprise that he didn't make the team right out of spring training. I mean, he's never even played double-A before, but I am happy that they optioned him, optioned him straight to double-A. Uh, that that shows uh, a lot of confidence. I don't know if he'll stay there. I mean, that's where he's just doing some uh, minor league games right now. But I wouldn't be shocked if he stayed there. I mean, the Indians, I mean, he is so good. And he is playing at a high level and his bat is advanced and he's ready to go. I mean, uh, we'll get into this in a minute, but Fangraphs posted their top 100 prospects and he had a potential, they said, for a 70 hit tool. And that, I think, was the highest potential of any player listed. I mean, there are a bunch of guys that had potential 70s, 
But I mean, nobody had anything higher than that out of every player in the whole their whole top 100. So yep. that that shows a lot of respect. Yeah, that plus a 70 yard. That's a pretty good um, catcher combination mm-hmm. there. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you what, don't get much better. <laughs> so you did kind of touch on one thing I wanted to talk about. Um, what does it mean? Because a lot of people asked this when I did the original post. What does it mean that he's optioned the Double A camp? Does that mean? That he's probably going to start the year there, or is it just kind of that's where his space was? They threw him there for now. At least for now, I think he'll stay there because um, they haven't really started doing all the minor league spring training level games. But because you got to remember, a lot of prospects are up, you know, doing their thing in spring training with the the main roster too. So uh, I would hope that he'll stay there. At least from what I'm hearing, I think. They had Tristan McKenzie at high A as well right now, which would be awesome. I mean, if they were aggressively working with him too. So we'll see if it sticks. But for now, we don't know for sure. I mean, we'll know 100% once the season starts. But I would love it if if that's uh, where he ends up starting. Yeah, I I read that uh, Tristan McKenzie report. It came from CBS. They -hmm. said in their first line that it was reported by SB Nation, but I cannot find anywhere. Where anybody has said that. I thought it'd be Chris Cotillo because he's usually the one where if somebody says from SB Nation, it's usually Chris. But mm-hmm. I don't know where that was originally reported. <laughs> I hope it's true because like like you said, I don't, I want him to be aggressive with him. He was so good last year and I don't know where it came from. But I wouldn't be surprised if he starts in high A. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, let's move on to those top 100 lists. Uh, Eric Longenhagen and the rest of Fangraphs, they released their top 100 prospects. Uh, Francisco Mejia, number 37. Brad, uh, Brad Zimmer, number 45, and Mackenzie, like you said, number 55. And one of the many in-consideration prospects was Greg Allen, another prospect who burst onto the scene last season in the outfield. So so what do you think of these rankings for the top 100, where the Indians landed? Uh, I think it's interesting. I mean, I'm surprised that they didn't have an Indian a little bit higher. Uh, I mean, the first one on their entire list was Mejia, but I mean, he wasn't uh, until 37. So that's uh, interesting. And then, I mean, but once they listed them, they were in close succession to each other. I mean, you had Brad Mejia at 37, Zimmer at 45, and then Tristan McKenzie at 55. So within 18 spots of each other all together uh, clumped up there. Uh, They definitely were very high on all three of them, Uh, had a lot of great things to say, and I think – but I thought the most interesting thing of all was the fact that they completely left Bobby Bradley off every, like, because it wasn't just the top 100. They list 32 honorable mentions, and none of them even had Bobby Bradley. I know Bradley actually dropped a little bit in his rankings for, like, MLB Pipeline, uh, even though last year he did win the MVP and set career highs in RBIs and home runs, uh, and, and he won the MVP in the high A Lynchburg. But... Uh, he actually did drop a little bit because his contact rate was so low and his batting average was so low. And I guess uh, Fangraphs did not like his projections as uh, as a hitter, like in terms of, I mean, yeah, the power's there, but maybe they didn't like that he's striking out so much and, and wasn't hitting for a decent average, even though he is still really young for his level. So, Do you think right or wrong, is that sort of tied to the overall perception that just big slugging first baseman aren't as valuable anymore? Like it's if this possible. was three years ago, would Zed Zimmer yeah. or um, Bradley be ranked a lot higher right now? It, I would think so. And you, you got to remember, I mean, people 
still find the the big slugging first baseman with high strikeout rates and high home runs still super attractive. I mean, it, it they're the, you find those type of players on just about every team in Major League Baseball. I mean, a lot of guys trade uh, higher strikeout rate for higher power. I mean, it happens consistently. Guys change their swings so that they can hit more home runs, and they're willing to give up on the contact rate. Like a lot of pe- projection systems actually like that. So I, I'm surprised that that Bobby Bradley actually dropped down off uh, the list. I'm not surprised that Greg Allen made the the in consideration because I, I've been singing his praises, <laughs> you know, for the last year. But, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that Bobby Bradley deserved, I think, to even still be in their top 100. But we'll see. I mean, he's – you know what? If that just lights a fire under him even more, then good, good on him. <laughs> I think if, Maybe, anybody, yeah. if that kind of thing is going to motivate, motivate anybody, I think it's Nelly Rodriguez. If you follow him on social media, it seems like every little slight he finds, he takes it and uses it. So mm-hmm. I don't, I wouldn't have suspected him to be on the list, but the fact that Nelly Rodriguez isn't, I expect him to use that as some kind of fuel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Nelly's actually had a pretty good spring too. Uh, he batted over well over 300 for the Indians. He didn't hit any home runs or anything, but uh, he had, a, you know, he got on base a lot. He, scored some runs uh, and he got optioned down too. But I think that was also because I think he suffered like a small injury and they wanted him to work on that and rest it in the minors as well. So one more, I was just thinking about this while you were talking. So I'm going to throw it at at you out of nowhere, but another prospect who missed altogether is Brady Aiken, who I don't remember if he was on their top 100, but he was ranked a lot higher in a lot of things last year. So Mm -hmm. is the hype just gone from him already? I wouldn't say it's gone, but uh, Aiken was not on the pipeline top 100 either this year. Yeah, it was last year. Last year he was like number 50. I mean, he was like 50, 55 area, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, he came back. the The velocity wasn't quite there. He didn't really pitch that well. Again, first season after missing well over a year for Tommy John surgery, and. Uh, you know, he didn't he didn't play great. It, it's going to happen. You're not going to expect to go out there and go lights out right off the bat. And he did get stronger as the year went and he, his uh, velocity improved as the year went. So um, I think kind of like I said last week, this year is a little bit more make or break on if he can get that prospect status back. And I think he can. Uh, but I think it's 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 interesting that so many people are just giving up on him after one half season when in his first stint back from Tommy John surgery, yeah. I think, I hope, I hope that he can use that as motivation. Kind of like you say with uh, Nelly. So have you seen anything from Aiken in spring training? Uh, Troy Kidwell in the Facebook comments was wondering too. Uh, not off the top of my head. I don't think he's pitched for the Indians. So uh, I think the only thing I saw was he was present when Corey Kluber and Josh Tomlin did, uh, their first simulated games of the year before it was during spring training when Kluber and Tomlin were being held back a little bit because they pitched so much in the, the postseason. And uh, so they got a first, so Aiken got a firsthand uh, account of, of seeing two of the Indians better pitchers uh, do their thing. And I think, yeah, Shane Bieber was there, Aaron Cavell, uh, a couple other uh, really good young uh, Indians arms were there too. But I, I haven't heard anything about how he's doing, but I, I would assume that he's going to be in a better physical condition heading into this season. 
Yeah, I'm sure you know this better than I do, but it is surprisingly difficult to to follow prospects in the or spring training in the minor league spring training. Oh, <laughs> even like we're playing in yeah, the game. The there's, worst, there's nothing. The absolute worst is extended spring training. Oh yeah, <laughs> because they they keep track of stats in spring training. There's box scores out there. There is nothing in extended <laughs> spring training, like where these guys are just out there. Uh, maybe they're not going to start the official season in the minor leagues. They're rehabbing and stuff, and there is nothing. I mean, you literally have to be at the games because they don't post anything. There's no stats. There's no box scores. There's no scores. I mean, they don't care at all. I mean, it's just about giving these guys work. It's basically like a practice. Do fans go to those games? I never even thought I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I honestly couldn't tell you because I've never been able to find anything. When <laughs> They're all just played in the base in the middle of Nevada. Looked. Yeah, I've looked. <laughs> wow. I mean, probably look at Google Maps over the, the field. It'll just be blurred out because I don't want you to see it. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna get into questions now we got another one from tony kidwell in the comments he wants to know when will greg allen become the tribe center fielder and it's it's troy kidwell troy what uh, was i saying tony oh tony sorry troy, <laughs> troy <laughs> but kidwell. uh i would say i don't think it happens this year um if anything if there's a prospect that could become the tribe center fielder this year over what the indians already have it could be bradley zimmer coming in uh, after about the halfway point of the season. Um, but I think he has a great chance of breaking camp as the center fielder next season. Uh, I, I expect Greg Allen could be on the Indians by the end of this year, too, like especially uh, by the September call-ups, if not earlier. But, um, I mean, with him not having even seen AAA yet, it just probably isn't ha- – it's not going to happen this year. But there's a really good shot. If he can continue to develop, I mean – this kid has gotten better every single season of his professional career. So if he can do better this year than he did last year, and last year was pretty damn good, then I would not be shocked in the least bit if he was uh, breaking camp as their 2018 center fielder. What kind of impact, um, good or bad, like how Bradley Zimmer does, does that have on Greg Allen's timetable? Like if he's really good this year, does that slow him down a little? If Zimmer's really bad, do you think they speed Allen up at all or – this is going to be a road dam in center field pretty soon? Um, it depends. Uh, I mean, if Allen is that good and can profile as like the leadoff guy, then I think that they're going to want him on the roster. And then that can and that can push Zimmer to right field or left field. Because you got to remember, uh, Michael Brantley's contract is starting to run out. I, I think Lonnie Chisenhall's done after this season. So... You've got two left-handed bats that need replaced. Zimmer can take over one of those spots. Mm-hmm. So I'm not. I wouldn't be too shocked that Greg Allen could take Zimmer's center field role, but Zimmer can still have a home in any corner spot. I mean, he's got a 60 arm, and uh, I mean, and we all know how good he is at everything else. So yeah. um, he he should be fine wherever they put him in any outfield position. And and Allen is definitely center field pretty much only. So a really interesting question from our own Matt Slichting. He wants to know if you could trade tools between any prospects in the system to make two players better, who and which tools? Okay. Uh, I've thought about this. There's a couple really interesting ones, but uh, one that I thought would be hilarious would be Yandy Diaz's contact rate with Bobby Bradley's power. Oh, that's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I mean, Yandy <laughs> so would have, yeah, yeah, Yandy would have led the international league uh, in hitting last year at AAA if he'd had like 
two more games worth of at bats. So you get that a guy that can bat in the the mid three hundreds and hit thirty plus home runs that would be disgusting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then uh, for pitching, I would do Ryan Merritt's control with Sean Armstrong's uh, velocity. Ooh. So like mid that. to upper 90s, and then a guy that just can paint every corner, I think that would be disgusting too. Yeah, are, are you oh wait, so are you trading them or giving each? I'm I guess the one person isn't losing them, one. Yeah, I'm more yeah. fusing them into a super mutant. Yeah, we're, we're going anything. super, it's not super saiyan. What is it? It's just fusing, right? Yeah. Dragon Ball Z, I don't know. <laughs> but either way, we're doing that. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> making a Megazord. Because otherwise, like, you could just pick, what would you like, Bradley Zimmer's defense for... Greg Allen's speed just kind of ruined Greg Allen and make Bradley Zimmer really yeah. good. Or not Bradley Zimmer, but Bobby Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, if you put Greg Allen's speed on Bobby Bradley, that'd be <laughs> hilarious, too. Like, seeing him motor around the bases, because he, he is not very high on the, the speed list. No, not at all. <laughs> so our next one uh, is going to be at Demos Thenis Klee, underscore Klee. He wants to know, is it looking like the Indians get Anthony Santander back? Does the new elbow thing make a season-long DL stint likely? So I don't even know about this new elbow thing, so I hope you know. Okay. I want to know. Okay, I do. I do. Bring I did my home. research on this. <laughs> Please bring Anthony back. Uh, but um, I've been keeping tabs on Anthony Santander. I was all excited because he wasn't cleared to play the field. He's just been DHing all season. And then he finally got cleared to, to play in the outfield. And then they shut him down, uh, and they announced today, literally like five hours ago, that he's going to have uh, an MRI arthrogram, which is when they uh, inject like the dye to get a look, and it's for his elbow. And what makes that scary is that's not the area he had the shoulder surgery on uh, to remove the bone chips in the offseason. It it's in the same arm, but uh, it's in his throwing arm, and the elbow is actually what sidelined him and derailed him as a prospect the the last couple seasons uh when he was stuck in single a for three years it was because he was having repeated injuries and the elbow was one of the major ones so i right now all we know is uh he just had a little bit of soreness in his elbow some discomfort that they said that that's what buck showalter said and they know that he has a history there so they're and right now, all they're saying is he's going to be out for about two to three days. Uh, so, but uh, now if he gets healthy and he can play, then this makes it even more likely that we get him back. But if they find something and then they can stash him on the disabled list, because right now he's playing, uh, but if they find something and then he has an actual uh, issue with the elbow, they can hide him on their disabled list. He would still have to get 90 days of playing time between this year and next season and would never have been optioned. But that does make it a little scary that they could have an opening to, to keep him because the Baltimore Orioles will do whatever it takes to keep their rule five picks if they can. Yeah. So anybody on Santander watch the, the short of it is if he's injured, that's bad. If he's healthy, it's good for the Indians. Yeah. So we, we want that, that uh, MRI to, to come back negative. We want him playing. Uh, he actually has played pretty well the past week. I know last week I was he was batting the 100s overall in spring training, and I'm doing Santander watch. And this past <laughs> week he went 
four for 11 with two home runs and a walk. So I wonder if he's going to hit well enough that the Orioles are going to say, screw it and just let him stay. <laughs> no, the, that won't happen um, because <laughs> they have so many outfield outfielders right now uh, vying for those last couple spots, uh, like with Michael Bourne and Craig Gentry. And that Tavares kid that was their other Rule 5 pick is a little bit more seasoned than Santander, and he's batting over 300 overall too. <laughs> so, uh, like Anthony, if he's healthy, there's just no way that he makes the 25-man. The so our next one uh, comes from Mitch White on Facebook. He wants to know, how does Zimmer not make the starting day roster? Is it possible maybe putting Lonnie back in the infield with Zimmer in right field? That is, well, I'll tell you, yeah, I'll tell you one thing that's never <laughs> happening is Lonnie going back to the infield. That no, experiment that... is long over. Uh, but Lonnie in the outfield is fine. Um, now, Zimmer's having an amazing spring training. He really, he's been playing great uh, this past week. Uh, he went, let's see. Uh, six for 15 with three doubles and a stolen base. So still just scorching the ball. He did strike out six more times. So he's raised that strikeout rate, which was at about 15% overall on the season to about 23%. So that's a bit more what we can expect from his strikeout rate, maybe even a little bit higher. But, uh, but I mean, still, I mean, scorching the ball. I mean, what's hilarious is, I mean, when he makes contact, he's getting hits. And when he he's either basically getting a hit or striking out right now, which is pretty much unsustainable. I mean, that bat pip has got to be ridiculous right now. Yeah. So, so Lonnie is not going to third base. Yeah. Lonnie's, <laughs> Bradley Zimmer and, might be up, but he's not going to move. Yeah. To the Zimmer Zimmer will debut with the Indians at some point this year, but I just don't think it happens out of spring training, no matter how good he does. Because you got to remember, Naquin was even better than Zimmer's been doing. Yep. Uh, last year, and the only reason he made it was because Brantley and Lonnie started the year on the disabled list. And right now, maybe Brantley starts on the disabled list. We don't even know that for sure. Um, I mean, Brantley just had his first uh, game experience, and he hit a double, I think, of the first pitch he saw. So uh, Brantley looks healthy, and I wouldn't be shocked if he makes the Indians opening day roster. And right now, the Indians have no outfielders that are injured, and everybody seems to be playing fine. So there's really no room for, for Bradley Zimmer to make the, the roster out of spring training. And I'm greedy, and I want an extra year. I want an extra year of Bradley Zimmer. So I don't want him called up until at least uh, June, whenever whatever that thing's called. What is it <laughs> Super called? Super 2. The Super 2. Yep. Yeah. We'll wait till the Super 2. I mean, we don't have to wait the two weeks uh, like which was super greedy by the Cubs with Chris Bryant. Uh, we'll do we'll do what we did with Lindor. So. Yeah, and that's if people are underperforming or injured or something. Even then, he might we might have to wait till September call ups. But yeah. it's a long season. A lot of things can happen. Uh, but right now, there's just no way Zimmer can make it out of spring training, even though he's playing great. So we got another live question from Mike Bobble. Bobble, I think. It's been said that the tribe has a deep farm system. Which position is the deepest? Which is the shallowest? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, I like that. Um, I would say deepest position right now for the Indians is probably left-handed pitching. <laughs> Which is probably uh, by design of, based on their drafts, I would think. Yeah, because uh, you look at uh, the, the players that were in our like rankings and everything, uh, left-handed pitchers were huge standouts. I mean, you have Brady Aiken, you have Juan Hillman, Rob Kaminsky, Ryan Merritt, Sean Moramando. 
Uh, I mean, that's five right there that were in basically our top 15. Mm-hmm. So I would say left-handed pitching, definitely. And then you have Thomas Pannoni, who didn't even make our rankings, and he actually led all Indians full-season starters in ERA last season. So, uh, I mean, they they have a lot of depth right now with uh, left-handed starters. Um, and then probably weakest, I would say probably catcher after Francisco Mejia. We don't really have, like, another superstar-level catcher. I mean, we have a bunch of uh, depth level catchers, guys that can step in, but nobody like that I think could be uh, somebody that you would draft on your fantasy team other than Mejia. Yeah, unless you're going just by names, then you can draft Sick, ah, sick Narf Loopstock. Yeah, or Logan Ice. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That is, that's what I was thinking for Shallowest, too. Um, maybe like third base behind. Um, yeah, because right now it's just third, drafted. Yeah. At third base, we got Nolan Jones, yeah. at who's at the top, and then. <laughs> Nobody else really is a standout. And he's like base. 19, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's long ways away. Yeah. But that's also one where players get shifted over to third base, so it's hard to like yeah, that's, a that's third the base. Thing, yeah, that's the thing, yeah. I'll actually have a, a little bit to say about third base with the – I think there's another question or two coming, but yeah. we'll get to that. Uh, the next one. Let's see. What is the next one? Oh, from Matt McPhee. He wants to know, reading more and more about Yu Ching Chang – being a legit prospect with Lindor blocking him for the foreseeable future, especially if Lindor gets extended, do they move him to second base and target him as Kipnis's replacement? Yep. That's the question I was thinking of. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yu Chang Chang uh, is a super talented kid. He, he's actually had a few at bats with the Indians uh, in spring training. Although I believe he is over nine or over 10 for betting zero for 0. 0.000. Uh, but uh, super talented kid, really young. I think he's 21 right now, and he's going to be playing at Double A this season. So, I mean, younger than most people at his level. And if anything, he would be moving to third base. But again, Indians might have third base locked up for years to come with uh, Jose Ramirez too. So, uh, it it seems like it could be a, a rough patch for any. Indians uh, infield prospects at any position right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, because right now the closest ones are are the best potential uh, positions that are available are first base because Santana's contract is up at the end of the year. Uh, so that opens the door for Nelly Rodriguez and Bobby Bradley. But uh, second base, I mean, Kipnis is still locked up till when? At least 2020, right? Or is it two, yeah, he's got a couple years left, yeah. So even there, it's a little tricky. Like a kid like Tyler Krieger is probably going to be ready in two years, and and he's and Kipnis will still be here. So uh, that's another thing. So it, it's it's going to be tough. Like the Indians have some really good players already on the major league team, and uh, they're going to be have to to make some tough decisions with uh, trading away probably trading away some of their uh, really talented young uh, prospects in uh, those infield positions. So I went to Twitter to find to make sure we didn't have any extra questions, and just a complete coincidence, uh, TCP Photography, who takes a bunch of pictures for, I don't know if it's officially for the Indians or their mm-hmm. minor leagues, but he always gets a bunch of great shots. He said Brady Aiken looked great during his start for the Lake County Captains. So there you go. Awesome. <laughs> he's in minor and league I for love, Class A. And I love that he's on Lake County right now, because that's, yeah, that is. I think something I pointed out last week was I was hoping that he would start the season on a full season club, and Lake County's 
the lowest level team that starts full season ball. Mm. So I hope that he stays there. Yeah, that's a cool coincidence. <laughs> uh, so our next question, our last, I believe. Uh, this was actually asked for Monday's podcast, but we didn't. We usually don't answer prospect questions there. So Sad Boys ENT, he wants to know what minor leaguer is having the best spring training and why? All right. Uh, now, in terms of smaller sample size, I would say the, the best spring trainings are, uh, now this is small sample size, I would say Francisco Mejia and like Giovanni Urshela. I mean, they both hit grand slams. They're both betting over 400. Uh, but they haven't played a lot of games. Urshela's played 10 games. Mejia played 11 games. Now, in terms of who I think is actually having the best uh, minor league uh, or spring training season so far out of the minor leagues, I think it's got to be Bradley Zimmer. I mean, so far he's played 16 games. He is uh, second on the team in at-bats, so he's getting a lot of time right now. He is leading the team in runs, uh, I believe tied for leading the team in runs with 10. Tied with Greg Allen, of course, because even though Allen hasn't been playing as well, the guy is just a run-scoring machine. Um, he is leading the team in hits, tied with Michael Martinez, of all people. <laughs> I believe he is leading the team in doubles. Let me double-check. Yep. He is second on the team in home runs. Uh, he is leading the team in RBIs with 11, and that's including you know guys that have hit grand slams. So, you know, Brittany... And he's stolen two bases without getting caught. And he picked up at least one outfield assist this past week. I mean, he has just been all over the place. Bradley Zimmer is showing exactly why he was a top-rated prospect, at least so far in spring training. And he is just tearing the cover off the ball and doing all the little things, too. Just don't say that too loud, Brian. He needs to He needs to get some work until uh, yeah, just roughly around work. June. A little more work. June, July. <laughs> just off the top of my head somewhere in there. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all our questions. Um, thanks for joining us again, Brian. My pleasure. And everyone else, uh, we will see you uh, next week. See you on Monday for the regular podcast if you're there. Uh, if you want to email any questions for Brian next week, SBN Let's Go Tribe at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and Brian, where can they find you? I never, I never ask you that. I don't think so. I know you can find them on Let's Go Tribe, obviously. And you started a new podcast yesterday, and I know you do all kinds of stuff. So where can everybody mm -hmm. find you? I'd say the easiest one is just my name at Brian Hemminger. There you so. go. <laughs> Okay, well, there you go. Everybody, we'll talk to you next week. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. 
We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.